Welcome to Chetting Kea On Air, a series of discussions about topical legal issues hosted by Chetting Kea. We're a full-service law firm based in Istanbul, serving local and international clients. With decades of experience, we provide bespoke legal and compliance advice to law firms, businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and families. I'm here today with Altu Osgun, the compliance partner at Chetting Kea Attorneys at Law. How are you today, Altu? I'm fine, Kevin. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. I'm very good. Um, our, our podcast today is, is looking at conflicts of interests, which I understand is quite common in, in things like politics and business. Is that right, Altu? Yeah, but first thing first, I, I should ask you, do you have any conflict of interest doing this podcast? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all good. I'm not doing them for anyone else at the moment. Okay. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. Conflict of interest is a very hot topic in compliance world. But at the same time, it's a topic that's misunderstood a lot. So I'm very happy to speak about it today. Excellent, excellent. So um, if, if you could sort of, you know, give us a bit of a, a, an overview of what conflicts of interest are and maybe give us a few definitions, that, that might help us sort of get an idea. Yes, conflict of interests uh, are actually a self-explanatory title. When there are two interests conflicting with each other from personal life, uh, with business life, we can say professional life. We are seeing it in politics, in business life, in even private life. We can summarize it like that. Yes, and it seems to be something that is um, something I know coming from the UK and um, and knowing about the legal market. Is conflicts of interest seems to be something that that is very much embedded in you know multinational companies and business known about in politics. But it seems to be something that is, is, is quite new, the awareness of it in the, in the Turkish market. Would, would that be correct? Yes, that's correct, actually. You know, we are uh, actually, uh, first, uh, first of all, seeing this uh, in the law of practice. You know, uh, we are mentioning about, you know, uh, conflicts when we are uh, first uh, working with our clients. So uh, every law firm needs to check on their client basis uh, before interacting with a new client, whether there is any conflict with their existing clients, because uh, this is a universal law, a, a law firm or a lawyer cannot represent two conflicting parties. So this is really important. So uh, every uh, professional law firm need to have a conflict of interest policy and they need to go back to their database and uh, tell transparently to their clients uh, whether uh, there will be potential or actual conflicting arise. Excellent. Yep. So, yeah, give us a few definitions. Yeah, apart from the legal industry, in uh, business life, we are seeing a common conflict of interest. We can summarize it as uh, in five steps. So the first step would be an item who everyone will be familiar with is gift, entertainment and hospitality. You know, maybe you remember it from the Christmas uh, gift baskets. Yep. Or when there is a, a business uh, partner inviting you for a dinner uh, or, or for a, a luxury resort, uh, mm -hmm. you know, f for a, a business uh, gathering. Uh, so we say that in business life, uh, actually, when we are working with external parties that we call third parties, uh, we need to be aware of potential conflict of interest. You know, sometimes gifts, entertainments or hospitality can seem very innocent, yep. but it may affect the decision-making process. So 
this is the key on conflict of interest, you know, who are giving the decisions and whether uh, in the common types of conf conflict of interests uh, or um, the decision-making process affects or not. You know, usually this is objective decision-making process should be uh, sought in a conflict of interest. So the person actually who is disclosing a conflict of interest needs to uh, transfer the decision-making to a, uh, another professional party like a law firm okay. or a compliance department. Because, you know, uh, in, in, in any transaction, uh, if somebody is in between a conflict, they will... Uh, easily say that, you know, I'm not in a conflict, I'm doing this for so many years, I'm professional. But actually, a conflict of interest can be very sneaky, uh, let's say, you know, a person who are sitting in, in front of a conflict cannot decide objectively or independently about the situation. So that's where we come in and help organizations to give the right decision. Compliance is not a, about following the law. Uh, yep. the, the law can actually permits uh, the situations, but compliance go beyond the law and is always doing the right thing in gray situations, in ethical dilemmas. Yep. Yep. So, so it's not a, a, a legal concern nece necessarily, it's more of a sort of ethical concern and, yes. and, and something where you might need to be transparent about what you're doing. Is that, is exactly, that exactly, yeah. Kevin, because, uh, you know... Um, uh, ethics and compliance is all about doing the right thing, even no one is watching. So we need to have a self-discipline and self-awareness about the uh, issue. Uh, and we need to first define the terms and raise awareness about it. So uh, first thing first uh, is awareness. So this is why we are doing this podcast. This is why we are delivering trainings to our clients about conflict of interest. Because the conflict of interest... Uh, not always uh, end up uh, with, uh, you know, legal consequences. Yeah. But they may actually, they may actually be a potential uh, way or a potential phase before a huge corruption or legal s scandal happens. You know, usually in bribery and corruption cases, we are always seeing conflict of interest in some parts of the transaction. Uh, that doesn't mean that all conflicts end up with uh, scandals, but we need to be aware. So this is all about proactive risk management in compliance. Excellent. So, so you, you you've got the um, the sort of the the, the gifts that, that somebody might get, the hospitality that somebody might get. Yep. Um, what what other types of of conflict of interest are, are out there to be aware of? So gifts, entertainment, and hospitality is a huge part of uh, conflict of interest, and we are always advising our clients to have some policies in place before actually we receive gifts or offers for hospitality. And some companies actually have some thresholds with, with, uh, within their uh, organizations. And if we move to the second type of conflict of interest, it's outside position. You know, when there is an employee uh, working in a second job, right. you, know, you know, we should look on a case-by-case -case basis. We cannot say that every outside position makes a conflict of interest, but it's actually we need to look at the employment relationship between the employee and the company. So if the company says that the relevant employee is working full-time and they need to dedicate their full-time to the company and they, they may actually restrict outside positions and even uh, outside in outside working hours, you know, an outside position can create a conflict because, you know, uh, it may be uh, with a competitor. 
it may be uh, you know perceived by a conflict by the outside world so this is really uh, important to regulate it uh, in a co- conflict of interest policy at the same time with the employment contracts so the third one is actually very common in turkey and in the in the neighboring region um is the business interaction with family members okay uh, usually all multinationals or big local companies they are using so many vendors they are outsourcing their uh, services and if i am the decision maker of the company like if i am running the logistic department or if i'm even running a legal department and making decisions about outsource um, advice you know uh, having a supplier managed by a relative or calling a, a family member as a customer can also uh, arise in a potential uh, conflict of interest because you know uh, it's all about managing third party risks yeah uh, and at the same time getting the best quality service with the best price so uh, if i'm the decision maker say i am the decision maker of the company and you are my relative uh, i would like to work with you because i also want to look after my family and you know it's my personal interest but you know if i'm just blocking other vendors uh, and uh, just ignoring other uh, best quality services that means that i am in a conflict with my personal life mm-hmm. and a company benefits which i should be loyal to the company according to my contract uh, and would it be right to say that employees might not be representing their company in the best way by sort of you know blocking out other suppliers and and you know working with their brother or their father or whoever it may be or a, an old school friend um that that might not work in the best interest of the organization because the, the there might be better vendors out there you know a better service might be out there yep that's correct kevin actually there can be a better service out there uh, with uh, with a very good quality but if we just ignore the conflict of interest with the decision makers of the company actually this might Uh, harm the best interests uh, of the uh, company so we talk about the third one and the fourth one is financial interest in relevant companies okay uh, so having a direct investment or the ownership interest in uh, in competitors business uh, or business partners of the company that we work in can be uh, an uh, actual or potential conflict of interest uh, so this is not quite common but we are seeing on the sea level um a sea level conflict of interest when there's a general manager or a, a chief uh, operation executive of the company who is also investing or or a direct shareholder with a competitor you know we cannot say that the relevant employee is working with the best interest of the main company but also looking out ways uh, to support the competitor as well so this will be a real business uh, conflict of interest Excellent. And does that happen in politics as well? Do, do the politicians sometimes look after their own families? Do you think? Or? Yep, yep. That's that's something that we see very quite often. You know, if we just Google conflict of interest in politics, we we can see so many examples from so many jurisdictions, including uh, Turkey, neighboring regions, even in US. You know, there were you know uh, some conflict of interest um, allegations against uh, Trump and administration as well because of using Trump offices and visiting Trump offices a lot they were saying that you know the president of the uh, country actually uh, makes a conflict you know uh, by visiting their business uh, so many often or 
when there is a family member who is also uh, actually taking a uh, taking a part in the governmental uh, organizations you know uh, we can say that there is actually a real conflict arise because you know at one one side you know there are family relationship at the second side there is a professional relationship so it's really important to underline this uh, before actually starting an interaction with the employee you know usually we advise our clients uh, in businesses that um, in the in the job interviews uh, we we also need to ask to the uh, candidates about you know potential conflicts of interest or actual conflicts of interest uh, with vendors with the uh, with the strategic partners or even this can be something uh, you know we which can't be foreseen and we uh, from the from the document that we want the candidate to fill in and we we are asking the candidate whether there is a uh, there is any conflict to work with that business and we are also advising our clients that when uh, interacting with a third party uh, we should also ask the same question to the third party do you have any conflicts working with us do you have any exclusive agreement with any other competitor do you have any uh, family member working in the company you know that that's really important to understand so we the first step is awareness yeah uh, we we mentioned about it the second step is policies and Uh, regulations, you know, where even though we mentioned about the law of permits, uh, we need to uh, do the right thing and, you know, regulate this conflict of interest uh, with the policies and procedures within the company. Uh, and the third step is disclosures, which I will come to the topic after my fifth type of conflict of interest. So the last common conflict of interest we can list is uh, personal use of company property and information. Actually, uh, using a corporate information, uh, SS opportunities, or even using your position within a company to get a personal advantage uh, in the outside world can be uh, accepted as a conflict of interest. You know, using your company car in your private business, using your company phone, or even company information, know-how, trade secrets to gain a personal advantage uh, with the personal interest can be deemed as a conflict of interest. Yep, and that's happened a lot in the trading world in the past, having sort of insider knowledge. Yep, yep, yep. So yep. Bearings Bank was a famous one, Nick Leeson, many, many moons ago. Yeah, yeah, that's that's whole another topic, and I, I really like this example, thank you. So in compliance world, we say that a, one poison apple can harm all the uh, healthy apples in the basket. So this this was a really important one. Uh, Nick Leeson, uh, as you mentioned, about how w- just one uh, member of a company can uh, can make a com- company bankrupt. You know, yeah. uh, it it was really uh, it was really something that I was amazed of, uh, and I use it on my trainings as well. So it's a very lively e- example. But let's talk about this topic in white collar crimes in in the future podcast. We will. We will. So so you've you've run through sort of types of conflict of interest now yep. and um and when you're dealing with that from from you know when you're working with a law firm to to help you they they take you through phases of conflict yep. of interest is yep. that that's correct so, that's so how, correct how do the phases work out so we are also listing the phases uh, in our trainings with, with employees or the management of the company uh, to just show that you know uh, even 
when there is no conflict of interest, there can be a potential conflict of interest. So the first one is a potential conflict of interest. There is no actually conflicting rights with each other, but there might be in the future. You know, like one of my family member is um, is actually uh, giving a bid to the main company that I am the decision maker. So this is actually a potential conflict of interest because I haven't decided to work with my family member yet. Uh, when we are the second phase, actual conflict of interest, when we are saying that the conflict actually arose um, already. So when I receive the gift from a vendor and I'm starting to use this uh, gift and I didn't reject it and this affected my decision-making process uh, in favor of this um, this vendor that, that uh, the gift is sent by. And the third one is we can list that's perceived conflict of interest. This, this means that even there is no potential or actual conflict of interest in the outside world, this can be perceived as a conflict of interest. Like to give you an example, you know, uh, we are uh, hiring a family member of a vendor uh, in our HR department in the company. She's not the decision making people in the organization. Uh, she's just a junior worker and uh, we have good HR policies and vendor policies in place. But in the outside world, the other vendors may think that, you know, we will be more likely to work with the vendor that the family member is working with our company rather than the, uh, the other vendors. So this, this can be uh, deemed as a uh, perceived conflict of interest. So there are three phases here. Excellent, excellent. So um, can you run sort of through some of your experience and maybe some practical examples? Yeah, sure. So... We listed the steps as first the awareness within the business and the organization uh, with giving, with giving uh, communication and constant trainings about it. Uh, the second one is uh, policies and procedure, having a quality document in place where employees can look for and uh, where there can be a guidance document with the relevant uh, people in the organization who, who will be responsible for uh, managing conflict of interest like compliance department or outsourced legal service, HR department or the upper management. The third one is disclosure. Disclosure is really important because it disclosure is all about transparency. You know, if we if we are sure that we are following the role, uh, laws and regulations or company policies, we should disclose so that, as, as I mentioned before, you know, uh, the decision-making process, whether the relevant situation actually uh, actually creates a conflict of interest uh, can be decided by an uh, independent party in the organization, which can be external law firm or compliance department or HR department. So without a disclosure, uh, we can say that we are blind because, you know, it's really important. Uh, it's really uh, important to see the disclosures. It's, it's, it shows the transparency of the employees. At the same time, uh, disclosures are really important, like speak-up programs, you know, to avoid uh, future uh, potential risks uh, and uh, crises in the company. Mm -hmm. So usually, when we, when we, uh, when there is no disclosure by the employee, or and when uh, we, with an internal audit or internal monitoring or an external uh, external audit, uh, you know, when we detect conflict of interest, it's a red flag for us. The employee didn't disclose it. And we found it. So why the employees hiding information about it? So it, it, that that seems like a red flag to us. It it usually ends up with a corruption or bribery scandal within the company, 
or at least a misconduct measure. Right. Yeah. So, so it's it's about sort of being transparent and sort of being upfront about what you're doing. So these things are not necessarily illegal, um, but but if you're transparent about what you're doing, it can be considered properly by the organization. That's actually a very good point, you know, being transparent and having a transparent culture within the organization. So, uh, you know, that really depends on uh, the culture uh, with the company. Are we just motivating our employees to disclose this information? Are we punishing our employees, you know, just... Uh, for their speak-up rights or uh, transparency rights. So uh, this is actually another topic that we can speak about. It's really related to ethical culture within the company. So if the company has a good, effective compliance program uh, and with a good, uh, effective culture, you know, the employees won't be scared of disclosing these kind of things and they trust the uh, management that uh, the uh, the independent party who will deal with conflicts of interest, say it's a law firm or say it's a compliance department, will decide on the best interest independently and equally within the employees according to the uh, subject matter of the case to protect the employee at the same time protect the company. So, uh, you know, there's a real common misunderstanding about conflict of interest. Not all conflicts of interest are harmful. You know, if you don't manage that, it will be harmful. Uh, and if you manage it very strictly, and if you say that, you know, uh, say there's an employee who has a family member in the vendor and you are terminating the employment relationship for that without even looking at the details of the transaction, yep. it might also uh, damage, give a damage to the company in vendor relationship, in employee relationship, and in organizational justice within the company. So you might actually lose talents uh, within your organization if you are managing very strictly. So uh, it's a very gray area, but you need to regulate and guide the employees with your policies and management styles. It sounds like something that could get quite fragile. Um, fragile, yes. You know, if uh, if it's not handled right. But um, as we say, it's not illegal. It's, it's just about being upfront. It's about making decision makers aware of everything going on so that the right choice can be made in the in the end that's a really good good comment uh, so to summarize you know we mentioned about the first step awareness the second step uh, regulate regulation about conflicts of interest policies and procedures uh, with uh, effective decision making with the equal um, uh, e equal decision making in favor of uh, the company and the employees disclosures uh, and when we are mentioning about disclose disclosures we we need to also guide employees how to disclose conflict of interest you know we usually advise our mm -hmm. clients uh, to have a disclosure forms for conflict of interest uh, you know there can be standard form you know uh, saying that you know what type of conflict of interest uh, the employee want to disclose, what is the merits of the case, what is the history, uh, what is the manager decision of the employee, and the independent uh, decision maker's last decision, you know, from an outsourced legal firm or compliance department and HR, so that we can document it in the future when there is a external uh, audit going on and who, uh, when when this relationship will be questioned by a third party, we can document that uh, we are managing this conflict of interest and we, uh, uh, in the management decision, we can decide on some control uh, steps, some uh, blocks or some uh, safeguards 
within the transaction as well. So we are advising our clients to manage this conflict of interest rather than getting rid of the uh, transaction. Excellent, excellent. And it's it's something that can can sort of affect a, a company or an individual's reputation if you if you don't manage these things properly. Is that is that right? That's you, correct. That's correct. Give us a little insight, maybe into reputational harm. Yeah, reputational harm uh, is actually, uh, you know, it was ignored uh, for a long time. Then you know, reputation is, is actually uh, accepted as a company asset right now in multinational organizations because we want to attract investors, we want to attract good talents, we want to have sustainable relationship with uh, strategic partners. We also want to serve to the public, you know in the eyes of the public. So that's why I mentioned about perceived conflict of interest. We should be very careful with, with our relationship with third parties, with governments, with our employees. Uh, when when we are running a huge organization and we have a co- conflict of interest from outside world, you know, it may uh, be very bad for the uh, reputation. And, you know, uh, there's a famous quote by Warren Buffett saying that, you know, it takes years to build the reputation, but uh, takes minutes to ruin it. Excellent. So, yeah, some, something to be aware of there. And, you know, you've, you've gone through some, some great information and give us some great insight into conflicts of interests. What, what, would, it, what would it mean now for, you know, law firms and corporations? Yeah, uh, law firms, uh, from my point of view, and I, I also see it uh, in the global, uh, global big players in the law industry and on the businesses, we are advising our clients in the best interest uh, to, to to behave ethically and uh, to manage the risks within the company. At the same time, we ha- we should have, uh, as law firms, we should have the same standards. You know, law firms need to also have conflict of interest policies. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they need to regulate these uh, transactions with their uh, employees as well within the law firms. Confidentiality is important. Conflicts of interest is important. Transparency is important. Speak up is important. So, law firms, uh, you know, in Turkey, uh, as far as I see, you know, uh, is in a big change right now. You know, we, we in the past we didn't see so many corporate law firms in the Turkish industry, uh, but uh, compliance also works for law firms. We are not immune from these conflicts of interest because we are also in the. <laughs> Uh, business life. So we are also deemed as a third party by the clients that we work in. So we, we should have the same standards that we advise uh, to them. And we are also seeing in, uh, in internal investigations, uh, sometimes when we are interviewing the employees, when we are uh, dealing uh, with the details of the investigation, some conflicts within the businesses as well. So uh, actually uh, in investigations, Conflicts uh, of interest can arise in disclosures. Conflicts of interest can arise in speak-up lines, in hotlines. Conflicts of interest can arise. So after the disclosure or after the finding, it's all about the management of the company, how to manage this conflict of interest. We are always seeing in FCPA uh, cases, UK Bribery Act cases, or even in sanction matters, uh, that if you ignore conflict of interest, if you sleep on it, if you don't do anything about it, it always, um, you know, uh, turns into a misconduct or a bribery scandal uh, within the corporation, which also ruins the reputation as well. 
Yeah, it sounds like law firms and businesses have the same sort of things that they need to be aware of and, the, and the, how they conduct themselves. So, you know, it's, it's about a law firm having a code of conduct, just, just like a, a company would as well. Would, would that be right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I'm joining uh, Chetinka Law Firm, you know, the first thing I asked was, do, you, do we have a, a code of conduct? And uh, we also, uh, after my joining, we also uh, updated it because... You know, code of conduct should be a living document. You know, it should reflect the industry, uh, the jurisdiction that we are working in, and current challenges. You know, it shouldn't be just like a tick the box example. So that's why uh, in Chetinkaya we believe that we we should have the same standards with our clients, and we should have a conflicts of interest policy, anti-bribery, anti-corruption policy, uh, and also we should have some values like we in our uh, we with our clients and transparency is one of our core values here so mm-hmm. uh, we want to have a sustainable long-term relationship compliance is all about sustainable relationship you, you know if you there's an african proverb about it if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far go together we want to uh, go far with our clients to sustainable growth so uh, that's why compliance is really a hot topic in Chetinkaya as well. Excellent. So, and, you know, there might be businesses listening to this now that really haven't taken this on board until they've listened to us. And, we, you know, we could be giving organizations some really good insight. What, what would be the first step for, for a business, you know, for them to manage conflict of interest? What would be the first thing they need to do? Yeah, the first thing they need to do is, you know, maybe after this podcast, if they don't have a, a compliance program or if they want to update their compliance program to work with a external uh, legal advisor uh, to work with this um, the conflict of interest and business ethics uh, challenges. Uh, because we mentioned that compliance is not only love, uh, it's going beyond the love. But at the same time, we should also bear in mind that there can be legal consequences if we don't manage compliance risks. So a law firm would uh, can give a best legal advice if uh, a law, that, that law firm has compliance services and legal services uh, to develop policies afterwards and to regulate uh, the market that we are uh, working with to uh, actually list uh, to, to regulate some documents when we are working with our employees and vendors and to have a third-party risk management process, which cannot be happened in, uh, in a single day, but it's a journey. You know, commitment is the key. So uh, we are always advising our clients that if they commit in compliance, they will have a sustainable growth, but it will take some time. And there is another famous quote uh, by a former U.S. Uh, lawyer, he says that if you think compliance is expensive, try non-compliance. <laughs> so I really like this quote uh, because usually the clients also always think that, oh, compliance is very costly. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, slowing or decision-making process. It's, uh, it has a, a competitive disadvantage. You know, we are having this prejudice uh, pushbacks sometimes from the industry. Uh, but... It's the opposite. We are always positioning compliance as a competitive advantage. Because as I said before, it's giving trust to your partners, sustainable relationship, uh, re- uh, you know, f- um, having ready for the external or internal audits or risks or threats, and even going beyond the law and having ready for the future uh, regulatory uh, de- decisions and changes uh, in the market. So with compliance... 
you can achieve long-term success, we can say. Excellent. Also, thank you very much for, for giving us uh, an overview today. We'll be back again. Okay, thank you. Thanks. If you have any feedback on this podcast or would like to recommend other topics for us to discuss, you can contact us at info at Also, for more information on what we do and our other insights, please visit our webpage, chettingkaya.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.